What's going on, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day a true proletarian revolution. Uh, But until that point, I am your host, Josh. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, so today I want to talk about what I've mostly been kind of researching, reading about, writing about, talking with my friends about, and that is the U.S. Empire. Um, So just for kind of some good sources to check out, um, you should read or listen to um, Tariq Ali. That's T-A-R-I-Q-A-L-I. You should check out Michael Parenti. Uh, You should check out William Bloom and Chris Hedges. Uh, Those are some good ones. Uh, You can also read um, just kind of for backup, uh, and and I am going to hit on it, Capitalist Realism by Mark Fisher. Um, Yeah, but the United States is an empire, Um, We've discussed this on previous episodes, um, and if you read my blogs, which, quick plug, for liberation, no caps, no spaces, dot W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com forward slash website, if you check out my recent writing on there, I kind of discuss... um, why it is that empires kind of come to coming to existence um and i i went over it briefly but i tried to explain how capitalist rationality and its natural development as a system causes and has led to and therefore there is a pattern which can be shown to be a natural tendency of centralization of resources by means of colonialism, imperialism, and other forms of exploitation. These forms of exploitation come not due to some awful evil that is inherent to everyone who's in the government or everyone who is um, a CEO. They are not evil in a moralistic sense. I mean, sure, could we sit here and say they're evil? Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people would agree with us, but how do you fix evilness? Are we going to call for God? Are we going to ask for, um, you know, someone to come down and bestow upon us pure good? in order to combat this evilness of this system we call capitalism? No, that's ridiculous. And that's, that's like, you know, that's biblical shit. That's, that's joking shit. Because this is not a material analysis. As my good friend uh, pointed out to me yesterday on our phone call, if you want to have, you know, material analysis... You have to speak in material terms. You have to analyze the material conditions. So when we talk about the morality, when we say, you know, good capitalism, bad capitalism, when we say there's some good people and some bad people in government, 
we're not really understanding the situation in its true form. We're trying to kind of abstract it in a way that honestly doesn't help us. And I'm glad to have had that uh, pointed out to me because, you know, as I say on the show, I'm always learning. We all should always be learning. Um, So we have to, you know, use these moments of discussion to actually be able to grow. Uh, And so speaking of growth, um, it is the capitalist uh, principle, growth. It is a system which can only exist as it continues to accumulate wealth. And, you know, we all know this because even on a micro scale, that works. So you and I can survive and live under capitalism if we continue accumulating money. If we stop working, if we lose our job, if we don't have Social Security, if we don't have disability benefits, if we don't have any of this, we fall. We fall into poverty. We fall into destitution. We will go hungry. We will go houseless because there's no rationality in a capitalist system to save you. There's no rationality in a capitalist system to build free housing. There's no rationality in this. It's illogical to expect government officials who are in power under a capitalist system to enact laws, to pass legislation, to give social services to people, um, usually at all, although, you know, there is truth to say that some will do so, and, you know, it it is in their interest at the time, it's more profitable at the time, because it, it, you know, calms the, the wave of resistance, but eventually it becomes less and less logical from a profit standpoint for the state to be expounding so much money for the corporations to be giving so much money that's why things like prop 22 in california were passed because that happening means that uber lyft doordash and companies like that don't have to lose the extra percentage of their profit margin by paying a certain wage by paying for health insurance by paying for unemployment benefits. This is how they wiggle out of giving out that money. And again, this is a rational decision by these corporations because under a capitalist system, it is solely profits which advances and develops you forward. And therefore, anything that stops you from gaining profits, such as, I don't know, indigenous people and their livelihood, you will continue to destroy that to suck up all the profit that you can, even to the point of, as we are seeing today, destruction of the very planet we live on. It is still a rational decision because you are making a shit ton of fucking money. Like, it's not a joke. The amount of money that Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, McKinsey and company and corporations like that in Afghanistan would make you all look ridiculous and myself included for making fun of the United States saying, oh, look at how stupid they are. Look at how the empire has fallen. Look at their defeat. Motherfuckers, they went into Afghanistan for 20 years, sucked up the resources, took the labor, took the land, stole a shit ton of women and children 
and on top of that, made these corporations trillions, trillions of dollars through just contracts for weapon manufacturing or uh, private security firms, right? Like, the shit that these corporations have done, and that's been done with your tax dollars, because here's the great thing, and, you know, this will bring us back to the discussion of empire. Within the empire, right, our goal is to constantly accumulate wealth. But at a certain point, we are no longer necessarily capable of doing that without backlash. So because of that, we require ever-growing and uh, ever-technologically advancing military power. So there are two things that directly lead an empire, and they feed into one another, and they are the reason why our empire continues imperializing the world and why it will continue doing so until it is overthrown is because it is two things. First and foremost, the financial capital, the finances, the very economics, which is creating a necessity for more and more resources, more and more labor, more and more commodities, etc. And then you have the number two, which comes in to back that up and eventually becomes locked into the same process, which is the military power. When we look at the way in which the United States military is developing today, it goes as follows. And this is how we imperial, or I I should stop saying we. Uh, This is how the United States, uh, this is how they, the ruling class of the United States, imperialize the rest of the world. They build up a massive military by use of your tax dollars. Look at our last military budget. Last year, 2020, it was set at $791 billion, the largest U.S. military budget there had been to that point. However, by the end of the fiscal year, the United States military budget had produced a $1.2 trillion deficit. But it's not really a deficit because the way the deficit works is we borrow as... Jesus Christ. They, the ruling class, borrows money from these huge, huge, huge banking firms, right? Or they give contracts to corporations like Raytheon, which they do not have the funds to pay off. So you might be saying, oh, so Raytheon does it on, you know, they float it to them, they go steal all the resources, and then that's their payment. No, 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 no. Because where does that $851 billion come from? Where does that money that we're supposedly paying for our military budget, where does that come from? Well, comes from your tax dollars. So this is how it goes. We either, like I said, take out loans or we sign contracts and treaties and things like that with uh, corporations or governments in order for goods or services. And then those goods or services are paid for with our tax dollars. 
those tax dollars go towards creating these massive militaries, signing these huge contracts, etc., making these treaties with these corporations or with these governments, right? I mean, it's almost tree corporations negotiate and have the same rights as nations. Like corporations have the same rights as human beings here in the United States. So, um, just a little piece of just a little sprinkle there for you. But anywho, it creates the largest military, right? United States by far, by 10 times almost, has the world's largest military force. And then that military force, alongside with the private corporations and contractors and weapons manufacturers, they go across the world and they steal the labor, the resources, and especially the profits from the production of the world around. And then those dollars go towards the corporations, they go towards the banking firms, they go towards the capitalists, they go towards the government officials who eventually become board of directors or COOs or some other form of kind of power uh, within the very corporations that they were 10 years ago or in 10 years will be signing contracts with. Um, This is the way that capitalism has naturally created the empire that exists today and how that empire perpetuates its continuation through the natural tendencies of capitalist destruction, aka imperialism. But that imperialism is beginning to turn inwards, right? We used to have a country which was based on slave labor. We were exploiting the shit out of people within the borders of our assumed nation, right? After stealing the land and trying to enslave uh, millions of indigenous people here in North America. That was done. And by doing that, eventually we created a problem. We had four and a half million Africans here in the United States who had become extremely unwilling to continue in the mode of production that exists, slave labor. You also had millions of indigenous people who were no longer being, you know, hospitable as we're told uh, they were and how lovely their relations with the pilgrims and the colonizers and the settlers were. That's, you know, that was maybe a rare occasion that might have happened very early, but at this point, it was no longer occurring. The indigenous people were resisting in many different ways, um, as they still are today. Stop line three. Um, So by this internal exploitation, they created a contradiction. You had the minuscule accumulation and participation in the capitalist system by the white land-owning males. Um, And so eventually it got to a point where uh, slaves were revolting, where women were fighting against the domination of men, where indigenous people were massacring. uh, Well, I shouldn't say massacring. They were fighting in self-defense against the settler hordes who were massacring them. Um, and fighting back, uh, this all began to come to the fore in the mid to late 1800s. So the United States had to reorganize itself. 
And in the most bullshit of ways, it gave quote-unquote civil rights to men, or excuse me, to women, to black folks, and even against their much-wanted will, both black folks and indigenous folks, they got uh, citizenship, they got naturalized and became supposed Americans. Um, And again, this was not, you know, oh, look at capitalism isn't bad anymore, we're not racist and we're not sexist anymore. No, this was just a simple reorganization, a uh, masking of the contradictions And because of this, it led to some years of peace and prosperity for the ruling class. Now, of course, this didn't really make the situation better for the oppressed people. But again, capitalism doesn't give a shit about that because it's irrational. It just has to make the masses not angry at it. It has to make the masses not concerned with their lack of power uh, and faithful in the system. The United States empire then uses that money that it steals from the world to further perpetuate its domination of the world because now it has the military power but it also stole all the resources all the labor force from these other nations from these other people who could otherwise be fighting for self-determination who are still fighting for liberation and self-determination but against, you know, an enemy which has spent the last 500 years building up its defenses. That is precisely what capitalism has been doing. It's been building up its defenses. But now, as I said, capitalism has turned inwards once more because the world around it is no longer as easy to exploit. So it is reorganizing itself. The same homie who was telling me that I have to do a better job at uh, kind of material analysis was also explaining to me that now in Germany, they are starting to mine and burn what is called brown coal. Now, this coal was ignored previously during the era of coal burning. Because, first and foremost, it didn't burn as hot or for as long as other coal, so therefore it could not produce as much energy. And on top of that, it really wasn't the greatest quality. Uh, And, you know, because of how abundant the coal had been at the time, uh, it was more profitable, the black coal, I should say, it was more profitable to grab that because it was going to make you more money with less coal. So... Now, Germany has destroyed most of its coal deposits. Um, And it doesn't have as large of an empire as the United States, so it can't necessarily just turn outside of itself and start exploiting the shit out of the rest of the world. That's the U.S.'s job, and although Germany still does it to an extent, you know, it it can't do it like the U.S. does it. And if it tried to, we'd go into World War III, because that is a lot of what led to World War II. Uh, Those precise people fighting for resources. But anyways, um, so Germany has now started burning this brown coal. Well, this is done by more resource extraction, which leads to extreme amounts of pollution. 
And this brown coal is actually much, much worse for the environment. So it is also destroying the German atmosphere. It is leading to new weather patterns and natural disasters, which Germany has not previously had to deal with. And therefore, you know, these are things which are causing death and destruction. And this is a natural reorganization of capitalism. Now, there's a way in which the United States is doing this, and this is being done by the uh, mining and extracting and transportation of what is called tar sands, which is extremely crude oil that is super low quality. And that is what Line 3, the pipeline going through Minnesota or Anishinaabe territory, is going to be carrying. Now, I would think that what happened in Afghanistan and what is happening in Minnesota are totally not connected at all. But we have to understand that we are getting to a point where resources are becoming slim at least the resources which we are currently using. So what is capitalism going to do? What is the U.S. empire going to do? It is going to reform itself. It is going to organize. It is going to go green. So the bullshit that Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and those motherfuckers are talking about going green, the bullshit that all these mining companies like ExxonMobil and Enbridge are talking about saying they're going to go green. Basically, what that means is they are going to start using resources which do not lead to as much uh, destruction of the atmosphere, as much pollution, as much global warming, and as much kind of uh, weather destruction. Things like cobalt, copper, lithium, iron, um, and other metals like that. But, and and side note, the U.S. military says it's going to be going green. Joe Biden says the the accommodations for the government officials, such as their cars, are all going to go green. Well, hey, where exactly are all these resources going to come from? Well, let's drop it back to November 2019, and we see one example of how this might be attempted. You know, it's been a long time since uh, we've talked about Bolivia, but the attempted coup in Bolivia of Evo Morales and the MAS party uh, by the um, Añez regime, uh, followed by folks like Camacho and other uh, right-wing evangelicals of the sort and rich folks from uh, the north of Bolivia. um, That coup, in a lot of ways, you know, one could say, logically here, had to do with the fact that Evo and his Moss party were continuing the nationalization process of things like lithium. Lithium, which powers most of our electronics. Lithium, which Tesla wholeheartedly dependent depends on in a lot of ways and that was kind of what led to that twitter thing where able or where uh elon musk was like we'll coup whoever we want um is because i mean it's blatant it's it's mask off there's no reason necessarily for them to pretend that this is not what they're doing 
They just have to say it in a way that doesn't make us think that we ourselves are guilty. Because as capitalist realism kind of shows us, we, especially in the U.S. empire, take an anti-capitalist stance and therefore say that is enough to kind of absolve ourselves of any form of guilt. But as we know, we are still living within the empire, the empire which will use this new green reorganization to go plunder the world in Africa and in Latin America of all of its other natural resources, which will still lead to incredible amounts of planetary destruction, global warming, and pollution. So here's the deal, folks. The U.S. empire is turning on itself. It is removing things like social services. It is going to soon, I believe, start making huge slashes on unemployment, on social security, and other kind of safety nets like that. And all of this is going to go towards fueling our military. Because now we have to put up the walls. We have to start playing a different game. We got to start building more drones. We have to start building more bombers. We have to start building more advanced technology, which can uh, destroy things, can kill things, as Obama says, without having to see it. You know, that was Obama's big thing with drones. You know, we're not going to be over there, you know, destroy. We're not going to do it so, so blatantly where we kill millions of you know, civilians and things like that. We can do it with pinpoint accuracy and just hit the targets. But, you know, what's great about that is most, uh, uh, you know, for example, in places like Syria or in places like Iran and Iraq, you see that actually a good percentage, if not a majority of drone strikes do end up leading to civilian deaths because they don't actually fucking care about whether or not civilians get killed. That's just what they need to tell us to make us not feel guilty, to make us not fight against it. Because here's what we need to do. This is the solution, right? We need to get organizing, first and foremost. We need true anti-capitalist organizations which are struggling against the power structure, the ruling class which is dominant in this society, and fighting for its overthrow. That needs to be a central focus of any organization which expects to impact the issues here, not only in the United States, but again, outside of the United States. So we also need to be organizing massive anti-imperialist organizations which are fighting for the liberation and the democracy and the freedom of the third world, of the oppressed peoples, of the nations which the United States, Britain, Japan, Germany, Canada, France, and other UN, NATO nations, G7 nations are destroying, like, you know, we we gotta be fighting against these empires. Um, We have to be building anti-imperialist organizations which are fighting, not advocating for other things, not saying how mean and evil and bad imperialism is, but fucking fighting it, fucking organizing to sweep the legs out from under capitalism, out from under these ruling and oppressive 
empires such as the United States. Another way we need to be doing that is we need to be building internationalism. Those of us who are part of true uh you know anti-imperialist organizations we need to be doing delegations we need to be speaking with freedom fighters across the world we need to be learning from marxists marxist leninists marxist leninist maoists and other uh liberation uh fighters other national liberation um theorists and, and uh inspirations we need to be studying the history of the world we need to be studying the principles and foundations of capital and capitalism as a system not trying to moralize it not trying to idealize it but learning how it functions learning its tendencies learning its laws of motion learning how it functions how it has functioned and how it will come to function because this is how we overthrow capitalism marx and engels didn't write much about socialism because they were for a reason, trying to give a true material analysis of capitalism. Because by doing so, they gave the people the tools, the understanding of that system to understand how it will rationally develop, how it will progress, and therefore how to take it down. We need to be building true uh, lines of internationalism. We need to be connecting with other revolutionary organizations. And that is the truest sign of a proper organization is that it is revolutionary, meaning it is at its very center fighting for the overthrow of the class society of the ruling class as it exists today. It does not at its core want reforms, but it wants the masses the proletariat in power of their own destiny, of their own resources, of their own governments, and of their own lives. This is the only way which we can truly end the issues which we are seeing today is an overthrow of capitalism, an overthrow of the ruling class, an installation of the dictatorship of the proletariat by means of a violent revolution which gets rid of actually gets rid of the people, the corporations, and the system which is leading to the destruction of the world. So basically what I'm saying here is we need to start organizing for revolution. Because if we're not organizing for revolution, we're not actually organizing. Because anything that we organize otherwise, whether it's reforms, whether it's new elected officials, whether it's different ways in which capitalism functions, that we try to restructure it, if we think that trying to get the taxes from billionaires like Jeff Bezos and others, A, is even a possibility, and B, will actually impact, like, the way in which the world works, we are, you know, we're not making a material analysis. And, you know, as I was told quite recently, and as others, you know, should be reminded every so often, we have to make sure that we're not getting lost in the idealized world. Because... The, the world that we live in is made to be confusing. It's made to also seem like it'll never change. That's where that uh, book Capitalist Realism by Mark Fisher really uh, does a great job of investigating is this feeling that things will never change. But things will never change if we keep doing the same thing. If we keep fighting for the same things. If we keep begging our oppressors to stop oppressing us 
then maybe we can start doing something. Uh, I always recommend it, but you know, if you have an issue with things like revolution, if you have an issue with things like violence, the dictatorship of the proletariat, uh, I would advise you to read not only the first chapter, but especially the first chapter of Wretched of the Earth by Franz Fanon. Um, the chapter is called On Violence. And from, you know, certainly a colonial perspective, and especially today, from a imperialized perspective, um, when all of your life is violent, whether that's because you can't find food, whether that's because you can't find housing, whether that's because you're imprisoned for being assumed to be a criminal because you're black or brown or indigenous, whether that be the inability to see your family, like my homie deported artist, please go support him on Instagram. You know, he got kicked out of the country and his family is still here. So he has to try to figure that out. Like, that is violence. Now, also, they kill us in the street. They kill black, brown, and indigenous people in the street. They kill them in the prison. They kill them by polluting their water. They kill them by imprisoning them, soul, body, and mind. And that can only be counteracted by a force that is equal or greater to that force. So therefore, if they are violent, we must be violent and or more violent than them in order to sweep the legs from under the system which exists as it does today. Now, think of that. And, you know, maybe if you're like, whoa, 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 we can't be talking about that. Look at the bombs that are being dropped on Gaza. Look at the bombs that are being dropped on Somalia, on Syria. Look at the bombs that are being dropped all over the world. And now let's think of the most authoritarian socialist they ever want to talk about other than, you know, you got Stalin. But Fidel Castro has a great speech where he says, listen, we don't send bombs to people. We send doctors. And that's the difference because capitalism's main goal is growth. And if that means killing fucking everyone to get there, then that's what it's going to do. So if we are not willing and capable to do the same thing, to defend ourselves, to defend our interests, to defend our ability to survive as human beings against this onslaught by a ruling class of the world, which is willing to destroy the earth for simple profits... If we are not willing to do everything and more that they are willing to do, then guess what? We are going to fucking die. But there is hope because the hope is found in the organization of the people. The hope is found in the revolution. The hope is found in the uniting of the masses by way of class struggle. If we are able to do this, if we successfully organize, if we work together and build socialism, the world will be as it has never been before. And it is possible because even though we have not seen it here in the United States, this world has become possible in the Soviet Union. It has become possible in Cuba. It has become possible in Burkina Faso. It has become possible in many, many places across the world. And so if we are sitting here and believing that it cannot be 
true, it is because we are so conditioned by our capitalist ruling class that we believe that there is nothing that can ever be done. And that is the most depressive place to be in. But it is not a dangerous idea to believe in the future. It is not dangerous to believe in hope. It is not dangerous or incorrect or illogical or irrational or stupid or childish or hopeless to believe in the future because the future is the people and the people need the future. We will not allow these oppressors to continue standing on our necks. We will not allow the exploiters and the ruling class to continue destroying the land, the resources, the water, the ozone layer, and the people themselves who have to have these things in order to survive. We will not allow this to continue because if we do, if we allow this society, this capitalist mode of production to continue as it does today, we will all die. But we will not allow that to happen because we are the truly revolutionary class. We are the proletariat. We are the exploited and oppressed masses and oppressed people do not stay oppressed for long. As the Palestinians have shown us, as many others have shown us, even in the face of truly, you know, insurmountable odds they continue to resist but we should not simply resist as we stand today we should build we should organize we should grow our masses we should grow our understanding we should build ideology and we should build socialism this is the only way that not only us but the earth will survive it is socialism scientific socialism Marxism that will bring us through to a new and better tomorrow. This is the only way. This has always been the only way and this will always be the only way, but we will not always have the opportunity to make this a reality. So we must capitalize on our opportunities. We must be structuring ourselves in ways which can capitalize on those opportunities and we must win. Thank you for listening, if you still are. Um, this has been In Defense of Liberation. Uh, if you would like, you can please go ahead and follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter at In Defense of Liberation. Um, you can also check out my website where my blogs are at forliberation.wixsite.com forward slash website. There's no caps or spaces there. And you can also reach out to me for whatever reason at my email um, or DM me on my social medias. But my email is indefensiveliberation at gmail.com. Again, no caps or spaces. Um, and if you liked what you heard, I would really fucking appreciate it if you would please give me a good rating. Please leave a comment or uh, uh, some kind of review on Apple Podcasts specifically because this helps boost me in the algorithm. It helps me be able to talk to others. It helps me be able to meet others and learn from others and have guests on like Black Red Guard and others who I've been able to have on the show. This really helps me. And, you know, if you enjoy the show and you want to see it get better, then, you know, to some extent, this will help you because you'll be able to get more, much better content. You'll be able to, um, you know, push me also to be able to create better content because the more people who listen to me the more intimidated I am and therefore the more I'm going to do to make sure that my show is good <laughs> so thanks for listening folks I hope you have a great day remember long live the people's struggle long live 
the oppressed people of the world. Long live scientific socialism uh, to liberation and to revolution. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and we'll see you next time. Bye, folks.